Today's speaker is a person who always dares to be vulnerable. Will you help me welcome our very own vulnerable, inspiring spiritual director, Reverend Patrick Cameron. Good morning. I shared at the first service, I just missed that young adult cutoff by about two months. I didn't say what year I missed it. But I used to always tell people that I have enough money to live the rest of my life, provided I'm dead by 10.30 Wednesday morning. So that's not true, and I don't claim that, but that used to be one of my uh, favorite uh, goofs. Anyway, Welcome. I'm just, there's so much, it's, it's so much fun. I'm just sort of lost in the energy today. It's just, it's different and it's wonderful. And having Brian up here with uh, Neil and uh, Dan, and, yeah. And having our young adults here, it's wonderful to watch because I know many of these, these young adults. Uh, when I came here, there were many involved with our teen group. And, and I was the, my, when I was on the um, our International Centers for Spiritual Living, then the Religious Science International board, my portfolio was youth. And so I went to a number of the camps, summer camps, winter camps. So it's just fun to watch those seeds that get planted. That is the wave of consciousness that, that's, that takes it to the next level. So it's exciting to watch. And, and so satisfying because it is a journey for all of us anyway with that said i'd like to invite you to sing a song with me if you'd like to stand and do that you're welcome if not please stay seated i'm going to sing either way and brian's going to play in this very room for us behind me quite enough love for all the world and in this very room there's quite enough joy for all the world and there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear for spirit one spirit is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. So know with me in this moment, as we come together, it is the power of the swarm. It is the vibration and the energetic of spirit in and through and upon us. And so I celebrate that understanding that there is no spot where God is not. Spirit, fully present in and through and as all of life and no more beautifully orbed than within you and I. And in that oneness I declare and welcome and celebrate all the good that continues to flow into my life into your life and through and as and so the, the reciprocity of life, the giving and receiving, the cause and effect, all of it beautifully orchestrated. There was a divine perfection and intelligence in the universe that tapped into beautifully and wonderfully responds 
to our thinking in a wonderful way and our essence of being in a wonderful way. And so I give thanks for this. I release these words in gratitude and appreciation, knowing that everything right and perfect is here now, each moment of each day. For this, I give thanks, and I invite you to say with me, knowing it is done in the mind of the one, and so it is. Please be seated. Thank you. I'm going to invite uh, uh, someone to come up this morning. As you know, this year we're very committed to intentionally uh, make a difference out in our community, and, and we did that last month with a couple of nonprofits within Edmonton, uh, the Women's Shelter as well as uh, the Youth Emergency Shelter. And today we have with us uh, one of the leaders, a visionary of Sun and Moon Visionaries in Edmonton, and they have done they do amazing work with artists. They have youth programs there that I have uh, been down to their facility and had an opportunity to see. And, and probably over a year ago, I said, you know, we want to support this cause, and it's taken me this long to get my act together and actually invite Jared here. But we finally got you here, so I'm going to invite Jared Sinclair to come up and, and just... Uh, we've already conveyed the gift to him at the earlier service, but I want you to d- just hear from Jared for a few minutes about what they do and what it's about, and, and, uh, and uh, I'll take it away, Jared. Thank you. You bet. I am Jared Sinclair Gibson. I'm from Sun and Moon Visionaries. I'm the executive director. Uh, some of you may know Joy Sinclair. She's my mother. And uh, I'm very, as I said earlier, I'm very blessed and pleased to be here because uh, you've given us a timely gift to help support some of our programs. Um, we do a lot of programming. Uh, Youth in Care has been uh, one of the programs of uh, a group that we've been supporting in our community, and it's mainly been Aboriginal youth. Um, and doing art, dance, music, um, everything you could imagine around art and culture, we really try to uh, bring to life at our center. And uh, we also do adult programming, uh, and that's, uh, I guess, where we get into the professional end. So we we provide training, uh, workspace, uh, studio space, so that artists can really hone their craft and intermingle with each other so that they can become professional artists or they can become that hobbyist that just loves art and wants to do it every day. And so our gift uh, is really being able to help support that in our community, and you guys are really giving us a gift now to continue our dream. On June 21st, uh, we're having an event at Sun Moon Visionaries for National Aboriginal Day. It starts at 2 and ends at 7 o'clock. Uh, we're going to have live music. We have some musicians already booked uh, to come perform. We're going to have some, I think, some traditional dancers, storytellers. Uh, we're also supporting uh, crafters, uh, is a poor way to say it, but um, artisans in our community to come and sell their, their work that's not really a part of our gallery um, because we're also going to have a gallery show. So we're going to have a really full day. And on June 27th as well, we're doing, um, uh, in partnership with the City of Edmonton, uh, John Walter Museum. Their, their museum is having a, a, an event for Dominion Day and, uh, and Canada Day, and as well as Spirits of the Past. So they're going to have, a, 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 I guess, a, a guided tour from Spirits of the Past to Sun and Moon Visionaries because we are on the Pahonan. And so I'll give you our address, which is 10125 97th Avenue, and you're more than welcome to all come stop by uh, it doesn't have to be on those two days. It can be any time. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Thanks for being here today. Thank you. I asked Jared to stay for both services, so if you see him get up and leave, it's because uh, he, he, we've already agreed that uh, he doesn't need to sit through two talks, although this one is going to be an extraordinary talk. Not, not that the one earlier wasn't, but uh, 
Anyway, it's just always great to be in, in community. I'm so grateful for this community. And it is, you know, uh, the thing I love about this community that I think um, resonates with so many people is, is it's real. We're, we're not a community that, um, that hides or pretends. And I love that about the people that we're, we're attracted to. And, and in our lives, we're all here to continue. I know my journey and what's brought me to this teaching and what continues to support me in this tradition because what we teach is the perennial truth. What we teach has always been known. It's ancient wisdom. The thought's creative. And so we get a chance to not get lost in ritual or to, to fall asleep. There's still a tendency to fall asleep. But we get to wake up. And the nice thing is to be able to continue to do that. And my journey has been that I, I wake up sooner rather than later. Dr. Ernest Holmes this, uh, said this in a book. There's a wonderful book called Prayer, and I know there's a few of them in the bookstore, but I would say that anyone, that anyone that would come to me now and say, what book should I get to understand your tradition better? I'd probably say, get this small book, Prayer. Because in it, it's short little articles about what we stand for. And in this book, on page 8, Dr. Holmes writes about inducing thought. And he says, that which thought has done, thought can undo. Lifelong habits of wrong thinking can be consciously and deliberately neutralized and an entirely new order of mental and emotional reaction established in mind really simple let's just go do that we do that we got it okay merely to abstain from wrong thinking is not enough and i agree with this as well merely to abstain from wrong thinking is not enough new and wholesome ideas of life Vitality and hope must be accepted and incorporated into the substranium of our mental life so that a more wholesome externalization may manifest in our bodily conditions and environment. In other words, it's not just, a, it's not just enough to stop the, 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 the monkey mind and the negative thinking, whatever it may be. It also needs, it needs a, a new idea because the universe supports a vacuum. And so I think that's where we make a difference in a lot of people's lives because it's not simply about stopping the old patterns and ways of thinking. It's also about realizing who we are and whose we are. And that as we become trained in this and our prayer becomes art because that's what Dr. Holmes talked about affirmative prayer. He said eventually it's mechanical. or Initially it's mechanical and eventually it becomes art because all of a sudden the words, the words have a different meaning for us. So when we get together at the beginning of this service, we sing the song, we say the prayer. It's probably the most important thing we do together. There's an energetic, there's a vibration there that, we, that is a, a field of grace that I would call it. Eric, Eric Butterworth called it the power of the swarm. But it just simply reminds us we dip into spirit in a different way there. And the more often we do that, I think, the more often that, that our uh, capacity to think with greater clarity. Clarity is, is, is power. So... New and wholesome ideas of life, vitality, and hope must be accepted and incorporated into the substraining of our mental life. In other words, we embody it. And so this month, I've selected a book called Women, Food, and God. And guys, don't get nervous because our, we're in there too. You just put your, your finger over the W-O, and it's men, food, and God right there. So it works for both, right? <laughs> and most of us, most of us, uh, doesn't that work nice? See, the, men, the men's off a little bit, but it, we're, we're in there too. What I love about this book is it's an unexpected path to almost everything. So if God is everywhere present, and God is everywhere, everything we think, do, and say, we're, you, I look out and I see the face of God. And so it's everywhere present in our lives. So everything that is before us, everything that is in our lives, is there for us. If, as Ernest Holmes said years ago, if God be for us, how can anyone be against us? 
But what happens is we become against ourselves. And, and once again, not criticism, just observation. Yeah. I remember Beth, she's over there shaking the baby right now. Now, don't shake that baby too hard. Is that Dexter? Awesome. And I, met, I went to the first teen group, and Beth was there. And I didn't know the youth. And I, went, I walked in, and Reverend Catherine Cardinal took me, and, and Rick Riseborough was there. Rick was working with our youth at the time. And Beth looked at me and said, Who are you, buddy? <laughs> Do you remember Beth? <laughs> I never forgot Beth. <laughs> but you know what? It, it's just life. And, and, was, and we, you know what? It was honest. She wanted to know who I was. Who the heck are you, man? This is our teen group. You have no business being here. Well, I'm just, I'm just visiting. Yeah. So what Janine Roth has written in this book, Women and Men, Food and God, is that she does retreats with people. And I, I want to share this with you because, and it's the unexpected path to almost everything, which I love. She said at her, at her retreats, she's done them for over 30 years, she said that food is an exact microcosm of our relationship to life itself. I believe we are walking, talking expressions of our deepest convictions. Everything we believe about love, fear, transformation, and God is revealed in how, when, and what we eat. And when we inhale Reese's peanut butter cups when we are not hungry, we are acting out of an entire world of hope or hopelessness, of faith or doubt, of love or fear. If we are interested in finding out what we actually believe, not what we think, and not what we say, but what our souls are convinced is the bottom line truth about life and afterlife. We need to go no, no further than the food on our plates. So you may have thought you needed to take a trip to India to study yoga. All we need to do is take a trip to our plate. I like that because I can do that. I'm planning on eating sometime today. I don't know about anybody else here, but I can make that trip. God is not just in the details. God is also in the muffins. The, fr- the fried sweet potatoes and the tomato vegetable soup. God, however we define him or her, is on our plates. I like that. She said, greeting, she said, getting between people and their food is like standing in front of a speeding train. The act of being stopped in compulsive behavior is not exactly met with good cheer. So I, what I, I love about this practice and, and whether our challenge in life be cocaine or alcohol or compulsive gambling or compulsive whatever it may be it's where we go to sleep it's just where we go to sleep it becomes part of our practice and Dr. Holmes in that that segment I read to you earlier there's a thought atmosphere that we're in and is in us and as consciousness shifts and changes everything shifts and changes so whether it be around food or it be around some other where do you go to sleep where do you fall asleep and I've been looking at this, reading this book. Now, Laura, my wife Laura's read it twice and loved it. I, I'm, uh, I've been through it once and going back through it again. But I love it because it's just one really practical, grounded way to look at our lives. To say, hmm, where do, I, where do I exit? Where do I take off? Where do I leave? She says, right here, right now, is the center of... She's working in a workshop right now with a woman talking about her wound. I won't share the story because I don't have time and you don't need to know the story. You can buy the book and read it yourself. It says, I've been, the woman says, I've been abandoned and betrayed by who and what really matters and what I've got left is food. So all of a sudden, food becomes the only comfort that she had in her life. 
And she said, it marks, she said, it marks the moment when we gave up. Let me back up a little. Is this link between food and God exists? It marks the moment when we gave up on ourselves, on change, on life. It marks the place where we are afraid. It marks the feelings we won't allow ourselves to feel. And in so doing, that's right, keep our lives constricted and dry and stale. In that isolated place, it is a short step to the conclusion that God, where goodness and healing and love exist, abandoned us, betrayed us, or in a supernatural version of our, or became a supernatural version of our parents. Most of our, our relationships, until we wake up with God, are the relationship we had with our mom and dad. So those are the first gods we've ever had in our lives. And so we spend time trying to, re, to, to if we're conditioned or domesticated, as Don Miguel Ruiz would say, to win the first gods we know, mom and dad's approval, why wouldn't it follow that the rest of our life, we all of a sudden we realize, oh, God's not my mom and dad, but I'm going to win God's approval. We get that, we get that practice down in our, our, uh, our lives. And not that that isn't a worthy practice, it's just not very effective, because we're not here to win anyone's approval. She continues... I do believe there are frozen places in ourselves, undigested pockets of pain, and that need to be recognized and welcomed so that we can contact that which has never been hurt, wounded, or hungry. And although the work we do at the retreat is often experienced as therapeutic, it's not therapy. Unlike therapy, it is not designed to bolster self-esteem, which was created in reaction to our past, the work at the retreat is designed to reveal that which is beyond self-esteem, unconditioned by our past. Our personality and its defenses, one of which is our emotionally charged relationship to food, are a direct link to our spirituality. And they are the breadcrumbs that lead us home. So all of this, what she's saying here, all of this is here for us. It's part of spiritual practice, part of the world that we've, we've, been, we've entered into. And, a, on a, and, and differently than any other form of addiction that we can practice in, we can't simply say, if our, our challenge is alcohol, we can't say, I'll never take... You, you can say, I won't take a drink again, or today I don't drink, and one day at a time. But today, you're going to eat something. We're going to be involved in a relationship with food for the rest of our lives. And when we do anything unconsciously, we're stepping out of that relationship with spirit. And I believe what we're called to do and why we're here, our purpose here is to become so versed in the conversation of spirit and dip into that, that connection deeply and wonderfully as often as possible. I don't think it's possible to live there 24-7 because we get busy and there's things that happen in our lives. But to have enough spiritual practice in our lives to bring us back. One of the things that we love about music, when we're here celebrating the music and the voices and the instruments, it, it creates a present moment experience. And when it's, when it's beautiful, Amy drove all the way up from Calgary to be with us and going to do the concert at 7 o'clock tonight. But it puts us in present moment awareness. There's a beauty there. And what, why the, the reason we resonate with the beauty is because we're beauty. There's nothing to fix. There's nothing to fix. I'm telling you. The whole essence of this thing. She says, when you stop and let yourself feel what is being offered to you, it is never, ever what you thought it would be. You go from being afraid to being a fountain in three minutes. But we spend, my experience has been, most people, myself included, that I spent so much time protecting myself from feeling the feeling that what I start, created for myself to feel and not feeling the feeling was far worse than if I just allowed myself to have the feeling. Because I make up a story about it. 
And then I spend the next several months, years, not wanting to feel the feeling because it'll be too painful. To discover what you really believe, pay attention to the way you act and to what you do when things don't go your way, the way you think they should. What's your response to that? Are you happy when things don't go your way? Pay attention to what you value. Pay attention to how and on what you spend your time, your money, your, and pay attention to the way you eat. You will quickly discover if you believe the world is a hostile place and that you need to be in control of the immediate universe for things to go smoothly. Does anybody ever do that? You will discover if you believe that there's not enough to go around and that's taking more than you need is necessary for survival. You'll find out if you believe that being quiet is is unbearable and that being alone means being lonely. If feeling your feelings means being destroyed. If being vulnerable, Kirby, I feel so vulnerable. If being vulnerable is for sissies or if opening to love is a big mistake. And you will discover how you use food to express each one of these core beliefs. She said, her journey, she said in this book, she said, I've gained and lost a a thousand pounds in a lifetime. And she finally stopped. Because when we get at the core, when we get at the causation of the condition, we can go about the business of shifting it with a new idea. That's the work we're about. That's how consciousness is shifted and changed. We just do it. We We don't expect, though it would be wonderful to be struck by a bolt of lightning, as Saul was on the road to Damascus which is a metaphor for all of a sudden everything you know and everything you see, you go blind. You don't recognize it. It's a new vocabulary. So it's a metaphor. And all of a sudden he came out of that because he, he, was, he was persecuting the Jews at the time. He came out of that and he had, a, he had a new awareness, a new consciousness. But for us, most of our journey is sequential and gradual but inevitable. She said here that overeating was my way to punish and shame myself. Each time I gained weight, each time I failed it on a diet, I proved to myself that my deepest fear was true. I was pathetic and doomed and I didn't deserve to live. I could have expressed this despair through drugs or shoplifting or alcohol, but I chose chocolate instead. Dieting was like praying. It was a palliative cry to whomever was listening. I know I'm fat, and I know I'm ugly, and I know I'm undisciplined, but see how hard I try. And see how violently I restrict myself, depriving myself, punishing myself. Surely there must be a reward for those who know how horrible they are. But that's part of the insanity of it. So when we make peace with ourselves and we're able to be present with the feelings, when we, when we find ourselves... I was reading this book the first time and I was having a meal with Laura and I realized in the middle of what I was eating, the course I was eating, I was planning the next course. I was thinking about what's in the refrigerator. What's the next thing I can go have now? And I said, look at this. Look at my thought process. I'm eating. I, my mother... We had 11 kids. My mother, she cooked in quantity. Quality was something that was not a luxury that she could afford, but we cooked in quantity. My mother could have fed the Russian army, I'm sure of it. But, but the point being is until you wake up to those patterns, you'll do that. And I, thought to, I said to Lori, look at this, isn't it interesting? I'm not even enjoying what I'm eating. I'm, getting, I'm winding this course up and I'm already thinking about, hmm, I think there's something in the crisper there I could go get next. And I thought, isn't it interesting? I'm reading this book and I'm having the experience with it. And it was, it was wonderful awareness. 
She talks about the relationship with God, and I think this is so true of what we believe here. She said, I don't believe in a God with long white hair and x-ray vision that favors some people, some countries, some religions, and not others. I don't believe in the sky dweller, the knower of all things, the grantor of prayers, but I do believe in a world beyond appearances, and I believe that's true. And that there's so much more that we can't see or touch or know just by looking. And I do believe, because I have experienced it again and again, that the world beyond appearance is as real as a chair, a dog, or a teapot. But this is what she believes about God, and I think this is true. And I believe in love and beauty, and I believe that every single person has something to find beautiful that they truly love. The smell of the child's hair, the silence of a forest, the lover's crooked grin, their country, their religion, their family, and I believe that if you follow this love all the way to the end, if you start with the things you find most beautiful and trace its perfume back to its essence, you will perceive an intangible presence, a swath of stillness that allows the thing you love to be visible, like the openness of the sky reveals the presence of the moon. Beautiful. I want to go back to something that I think is so important. I guess God doesn't want me to go back to it. <laughs> she talks in here about the process that they do at the retreat. And it's, it's not about, as she said, it's not about therapy. But what it, she encourages people to do, and what I, I, I want to share with you today, it's about looking at our lives and how we act and how we respond to what's in our lives. Because that's the only way we discover where we are and continue to discover and continue, continue to do the work. But she said what she asked people to do at her retreat and what we can ask ourselves to do this week is to look at our lives and look at our behavior and look at our thinking with curiosity, with inquisitiveness, with inquiry so that we bring a gentleness to it. This is not one more thing that we have to, to do. This is an opportunity each day to have something revealed for us. And if food is not the issue, replace it with whatever else you use to go to sleep with or you, you, you numb yourself with. And if you don't do that, man, give me a call. I'd love to know what your, your practice is. But we all do it in various forms because we've been domesticated in, in a certain way. So waking up, we wake up to everything. And that insight I had reading the book and sitting there and thinking in the middle of a course, planning my next course, I thought, hmm, isn't that interesting? I'm, going to, I'm already planning. I don't even know if I've had enough to eat yet, but I'm planning the next course. But it's to do with the gentleness and the kindness that we, w- we would offer another. It's as if we had Dexter, wherever Dexter went. He went out, but he's the, Amy's little baby. How would we treat Dexter? How would we treat that child? I'll leave you with this. She asked this, and I think this is so true, and I've touched on it in the past couple of weeks, but she said, can you remember a time, perhaps when you were very young, when life, was, when life was as it was, just the fact that it was early morning or any old day in summer was enough, when you were enough? Not because of what you looked like or what you did, but just because everything was the way it was. And all of the great teachers and all the great authors and all the speakers and writers of truth on the planet say the same thing. Eckhart Tolle, Byron Katie, love what is. 
be in the present moment bring ourselves back bring ourselves back when we forget and that's our job to do it but do it with great love and care because it is the infinite we're bringing back we're bringing ourselves back to it nothing is wrong and when you were sad you cried and then it was over remember as a kid you got sad and you cried at some point in time it kicks in and you stay resentful for a while you learn how to stay resentful but as a little baby you know where where they go they they cry and it's over you were back to the fundamental feeling of positivity of goodness just because you were alive what if you could live that way now and what if your relationship to food was the doorway or whatever else it may be in your life so it's about the gentleness it's about being able to 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 be in our lives with greater clarity clarity is power clarity is power I'm telling you. And then all of a sudden you find those traps and those potholes that you've stepped into over and over again. And all of a sudden you realize, I'm not going to step into that. I'm not stepping into that trap anymore. But it's our work. We do our own work in our own time. And that's why it takes time because we have spent a lifetime learning a way that has worked for us but may not be very effective. So let's plant wonderful seeds. Let's continue to plant wonderful seeds. You are perfect now. The paradox of this is that you don't have to beat yourself up to improve yourself. There's nothing you have to do, but there's an opportunity to perhaps do something in a different way. So let's take that awareness, set that intention with that higher self, and say, every time I forget, remind me, bring me back, but bring me back with the love and the grace that I would offer anyone else. So it is. Blessings.